I'm enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad, rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. In the parlance of the 20th century, this is an oddball. His name is James B.W. Beavis, and his taste leaned towards stuffed animals, zither music, professional football, Charles Dickens, mooseheads, carnivals, dogs, children, and young ladies. Mr. Beavis is accident-prone, a little vague, a little discombobulated, with a life that possesses all the security of a floating crap game. But this can be said of our Mr. Beavis. Without him, without his warmth, without his kindness, the world would be a considerably poorer place. Albeit, perhaps, a little saner. Episode number 33 of The Twilight Zone was Mr. Beavis. And Sean, do you think that's where they got Beavis and Butthead? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's the end of the episode. (laughs) And that's all we have to say about that. Um, No, the the only thing that uh, I always confuse this and the Mr. Beavis episode. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think that's Mr. Bemis the Strong. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, come on. A, I know another, you... another Burgess Meredith uh, vehicle. <laughs> I know I know the show has, has problems with names sometimes, but uh, come on. Yeah, I I don't know where uh, where he he may have come up with uh, with the name Mr. Beavis, but it, it's funny that you know, like being somebody now looking back on it and and uh, uh, you know it, it, you have a different perspective on the name Beavis than you would have in 1960 when the episode actually came out. A hundred percent, arguably uh, a more a more recognizable Beavis in the uh, in the 90s. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, 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 I've never quite known what to uh, make of this episode. Now, I'm, I'm sure that you're not the biggest fan because <laughs> I think most people would describe it as one of the goofy ones. It is. It's it's just – I don't know why. I, I don't know what it says about me, but the light, the more lighthearted ones, that's like, hey, you should be happy where you are, um, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I'm just like, eh, yeah, we, it's, it's well-traveled ground. I mean, you know, maybe it's just because it was it was a lesson, you know, that was that was always around, you know, from our parents and stuff. But um, maybe it wasn't a lesson that was being taught in in 1959, Well, yeah, it was taught so much in 1959 and 1960 that now we're like, okay, we get it. <laughs> it's about it's about 18 episodes of the first uh, 36. Uh, so, Mr. Beavis, who, by the way, is uh, played by Orson Bean, who just recently passed away. Uh, oh. I, I, I believe he was hit by a car. Um, you know, because he, he was still acting until uh, pretty recently. At 91 years old. Wow. Uh, also, by the way, uh, fun fact about Orson Bean, he was uh, Andrew Breitbart's uh, father-in-law. Just in case you were wondering. I I did not know that. That is a that's a fun piece of trivia. <laughs> and uh, uh, he actually outlived Andrew Breitbart. So that, uh, he certainly did. And, uh, but uh, so Mr. Beavis is, is I, I guess he's like the town good guy. Everybody seems to like him. Yeah. Um, um, what, one thing boss. that I, I really find incredibly annoying about this episode. Uh, and and I wonder if uh, if it struck you as well the the music just just shoot me yeah it's it's a little too much um, I think I don't know if it I don't know if it's a choice but it makes me hate Mr Beavis it makes me like take his 
his bosses and his landlord's side. Yeah, so he's a he's a uh, a kindly guy, kindly fellow, and uh, um, things aren't going well for him. Uh, he's fired from his job. He gets evicted from his uh, apartment, uh, which I have a question about that that we'll get to in a second. <laughs> um, and then his car gets tipped over, which, you know, how, how often does that happen to you? I mean, with a car like that, I guess, uh, um, I guess pretty likely. Yeah. I mean, for some reason he's driving a, a Rickenbacker, <laughs> which, you know, so, so that would be about 35, 36 years old, you know, not, not that bad. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. plenty of people driving around cars that are that old now. Oh yeah, um, but it, but it's certainly just like wh- why would you be driving that car every day? I, I just don't understand that. My my uncle has a uh, I think a 35 year old BMW that he still drives into work from North Jersey into into the city, and mm-hmm. uh, he just he's always taking really good care of it. Yeah, th- I don't get that impression of this one though. No, no, it, it's a uh, it's a. It's a 35-year-old car that's definitely uh, showing its miles. Also never knew a Rickenbacker was a car. I just thought it was a guitar. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, when, when you see it, like, I think if you described it to somebody, you'd say, well, it, it kind of looks like a Model T or something. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I feel like they could have done that. Maybe Rickenbacker isn't actually a car. Maybe, uh, you know, because maybe they didn't want to pay the rights, so they uh, – uh, so no, here. Just, uh, it's uh, Rickenbacker Motor Company was an automobile manufacturer located in Detroit, Michigan. Surprise! From 1922 until uh, 27. Um, oh wow! It, in popular culture, a 1924 model was featured prominently in the Mr. Beavis episode of Twilight Zone. <laughs> so, so they were only making cars for you know five six years, and then. Um, Kind of interesting. They sold all their manufacturing equipment to uh, Germany or to Audi and transported and transported it to Germany in 1927. <laughs> wow! So uh, they probably uh, went on to make uh, tanks for the Nazis or something. <laughs> Pretty much. Maybe this episode is darker than we thought. <laughs> You know, we we've been doing that lately. We've been finding the <laughs> the unexplored uh, dark recesses of the Twilight Zone. I think it's me just trying to force it. It could be, yeah, and uh, and that makes this show, uh, this episode, a little less goofy. So I, I can see why you would you go in that direction. <clears throat> what did you think about um, Orson Bean's uh, ability to play drunk? Uh, it wasn't great. No, um, he, he's got a lot of problems. I mean, first of all, so he lost his he, he mentions at one point that he lost his sixth job in a year. <laughs> but when we see him in the office, like he's literally the only person in the in the uh, in the office that has any flair on his desk. And it's just it's just covered in stuff like there's, you know, taxidermied animals. He's building the ship for some reason. <laughs> Um, like, so props to, to Beavis for, for being the guy who just immediately settles in and he's got uh, everything moved in. Uh, but my, my, my question as far as him being, um, uh, uh, evicted from his apartment, uh, he was working until just a few minutes ago in the episode. 
So why is he being evicted? Is is like not paying rent a part of his charm? <laughs> maybe uh, you know, maybe losing five previous jobs. Um, <clears throat> you know, maybe he only had a job for one week. And uh, he looked for another job, and that took a couple months. So, you know, maybe this is uh, just the, um, you know, second or third warning that he was given. It could could possibly be, yeah. At, at any rate, it's been an interesting year for Mr. Beavis. It's been a real 2020. <laughs> it kind of has, yeah. But, but I feel like he deserved it, and we didn't. <laughs> I will agree with that. Because uh, you know what, if he's um, spending his money on uh, on whiskey and not rent, um, or upkeep on his uh, Rickenbacker priorities, man, you know um, all those all those tchotchkes he had on his desk, those probably cost money too. The tchotchkes aren't free. That's sort of the nature of them. That's what I've always said. Tchotchkes aren't free. So he uh, he's having a, a horrible, no good, very bad day. <laughs> And uh, that, that's when he meets his guardian angel. And I don't know about you, um, Sean, but um, there's some things that have happened in my life that if I actually didn't meet my guardian angel, I'd have some questions for him. Or <laughs> uh, no questions. No, no, no questions. You're you're pretty pretty happy with how everything turned out. So I'm gonna far. I'm I'm gonna be uh, I'm I'm just gonna be a character in the uh, in the Twilight Zone and just uh, um, just accept it. You're just yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> what, what, are, what are your questions for your guardian angel? Uh, th- there's a there's a couple things that happened within about the past uh, five years. I'd, I'd want to know uh, why, <laughs> why they thought that was a good idea. There are so many guardian angels that actually have to come down to Earth in the Twilight Zone. Uh, oh, that's a good question. How many guardian angel-centric episodes are there? I mean... I- I- I guess I guess I might be thinking of <laughs> I might be thinking of the uh, multiple episodes where death makes an appearance. Um, oh, that's true. I mean, there's uh, there's, not a, like, there's at least a, there's at least a couple of them. I think. Uh, yeah, I think I'm just combining all of the cosmic guides. Like a uh, professor, a demon was not a guardian angel. <laughs> no, he definitely wasn't. Best name. I, but. He, he was apparently uh, encouraging someone to kill uh, their their love interest. So <laughs> probably not a, a guardian angel there. If if so, uh, somebody needs to have a talk with his supervisor. <laughs> Um, but but there was a Cavender is coming. That's definitely a Guardian Angel episode. And yeah. uh, actually, uh, you know, when we get to it, which I think it's uh, season three or maybe uh, season five, that one is um, a- actually pretty similar to uh, Mr. Beavis. So you have that to look forward to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't but, wait. But there's, there's at least two. I guess it's, uh, you know, like I, I've thrown out a couple of things uh, over the course of the episodes that we've been watching where I thought it was a bigger deal in the Twilight Zone than it turned out that it actually was. <laughs> uh, but, but he meets his guardian angel and his uh, apparently someone did something. Uh, someone in his family did something so great uh, that all of his uh, subsequent family members get at least, you know, like one favor done for them. It's not too bad. What, what, what sort of good deed do you think someone would do to? It, it seems like it would have to be like really big. Now, is this a is this a good deed that like one of his ancestors did? 
or or every single one of his ancestors has done at least one good deed. Uh, no, so so we're told by the guardian angel that uh, someone in his past, and, and I I don't think he specifies exactly who or what. Yeah, I remember done. him going through all the. Um, mm. But this one person did something that was so great that every subsequent member of his family has gotten a uh, a mulligan or or mm. something to. I mean, it would have if we're going back ancestors. Then this is going to have to be in you know. The late 1700s, maybe the early 1800s, maybe they led a war. Maybe they, they, I mean, I, if, if we're going on the narrative 1960s that the United States of America are, is, is God's chosen country, then mm-hmm. I'm guessing that one of his ancestors either helped win the Revolutionary War or the War of 1812 or something like that. Um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pr- Probably not uh, beating Attila the Hun or something like that. You know? <laughs> I, 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 we, we can probably safely assume it was uh, it was something to do with the uh, the uh, the American Revolution. Um, also, what observation about the Guardian Angel? Um, and, and this certainly doesn't happen in It's a Wonderful Life. So uh, I feel like this this is a genuine observation on my part. Uh, a guardian angel probably shouldn't be invisible unless they want uh, to have you being committed or something, because people are going to think you're crazy. Yeah, you're only uh, you're only putting your uh, your charge in uh, in danger by making them think that you, they can see them, and then especially if you know you're you're drunk on whiskey at the bar by yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the the guy doesn't really. You know, doesn't really ask him necessarily what he wants. He basically just says, "I'm going to make you successful at everything." Uh, but uh, the the catch is that uh, he basically will become normal. Yeah, you can't be a goofball. No, uh, no strange clothes. Um, he's no longer going to be the lovable goofball of the neighbor <laughs> neighborhood. Um, which. For, for one thing, uh, it's interesting that um, uh, despite the fact that now he's become successful and uh, he's, got a, he's got a nice new sports car and, and everything, he still lives in whatever apartment he had before. Yes. <laughs> but no longer evicted, so that's a step up, right? It is, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and so he he ultimately well he's having to basically having to relive that uh, that day again, and uh, he goes back to work and the boss basically says that he's the greatest employee ever, and uh, not only uh, is keeping him around but gives him a raise, which I realized that from an HR perspective the '60s were a very different time uh, than we're currently living in. But do you think that it actually would have been uh, the case that uh, your bo- a boss would just announce in front of everybody that you're getting a raise? Probably not the greatest thing for office morale. Um, I mean, I, I, unless I guess you want your other employees to take note that like, hey, you want a raise, act like this guy over here. Um, I... 
I guess. <laughs> but it, still, I, I, it seems like a good way to get that uh, employee punched in the face. Yes, absolutely. So, so again, you gotta, you gotta kind of question this guardian angel because he, he either wants people to think that this guy's crazy or he, he wants his coworkers to punch him in the face because they know <laughs> that he's now getting paid more than them. It's not going to end well for Beavis. I, I don't think so. And and the and the interesting thing is, um, you know, talk about not being very appreciative of uh, what you're given in life. Uh, Beavis decides he's had enough of this after one day. <laughs> give me back. Give me back the goofy music. <clears throat> Let me dress like a nutcase. <clears throat> um, I'd rather not have a job or a place to live. Or a car that functions. <laughs> By the, by the way, my favorite uh, moment in, in this story is when uh, – so his car flips over and he basically asks the police officer, hey, you want to buy a car? <laughs> I forgot about that part. <laughs> and, the, and the police officer is like, oh, no, I, I, I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> Here's your ticket. <laughs> Which, by the way, if if your car flipped over, would, would you really get a ticket for that? Because he, he's uh, he's looking at the uh, at him like he's he's more annoyed than anything else. Uh, my theory is that Beavis has been drunk this entire episode. I can see that. I almost feel better about that. Actually, <laughs> it would it would explain his uh, decision making ability to give up all the you know the job, the stable living situation, just so he could put on you know big fluffy clown shoes and walk down the street. Right. And a, and a, a funny looking suit and, yeah. and, and have the, uh, the strange music tailing him everywhere. Uh, I, yeah, I get it's the simple things in life, but, uh, you know, I, I think Mr. Beavis needs to reexamine his priorities. You got to grow up. They, I don't know. Did they, let me see. Did they say how old he was? Oh, um, wow. let, you know, we can assume he's one of our ages and it's going to make us feel old. <laughs> oh. it, it is the Twilight Zone after all. That's what that's what the Twilight Zone does. It's very true. It's very true. He was 32 when he filmed this or 31. Orson okay, Bean. so it, Orson Bean was uh, he was 31, 32. So that means they're probably saying he was 22. Yeah. <laughs> Orson which, Bean, which, seven years old. Which, <laughs> which, which, by the way, if you're if you're 22 and going through six jobs in a year, I guess you don't feel too bad about that. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, know, he'll he'll get it together. Yeah, you feel like you're going to get it together eventually. Also, again, I know this is 60 years ago, but he's not dressed that crazy. Like there are members of Congress who dress like that. There, hey, heck, there are members of Congress that dress like that now. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I, I get that, uh, it, it's a little like, um, uh, Henry Bemis, mm -hmm. um, in, uh, um, uh, time enough at last, our namesake where, uh, like, I, I don't get like how he was necessarily a bad employee, you know, like, like Henry Bemis obviously was, like, <laughs> he just was like refusing to work so that he could read books while while getting paid. 
this guy, I don't necessarily know that he was. He was just quirky. And every every office needs the quirky guy, right? It's true. It's true. I mean, you know, if, if someone comes in and, like, settles in and has, like, you know t- – talking think pieces talking centerpieces whatever on his uh on his desk and the rest of the office likes him that might just be better for you know morale and 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 uh staff continuity you know so uh i think we could have used a little bit more backstory on what exactly made james bw beavis a uh, a horrible employee yeah because i mean if uh, employees got fired for having a, a like a, a- Billy Big Mouth Bass on the wall. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to get a job anywhere. <laughs> so uh, overall, you know, I, uh, I I know that we differ on our uh, our, our feelings on the, the quote unquote goofy uh, episodes. Yeah, uh, this one I I uh, this one I'm not a huge fan of, and I, and I think it it starts and ends with the music. Yeah, it's a skip for me. That that's where you uh, like go out and I don't know get dinner or something when it comes on in the Twilight Zone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it's not horrible, but but yeah, just assume watch something else. Yeah, if you uh, if you're in like a if you're in a marathon that you know you can't fast forward, then this is the time to take a break. I, I think so. It, it'll do you well. <laughs> The, the next episode, though, is one you definitely don't want to skip. That's the After Hours, and we'll yes. talk about that next week. Awesome. Mr. James B.W. Beavis, who believes in a magic all his own. The magic of a child's smile. The magic of liking and being liked. The strange and wondrous mysticism that is a simple act of living. Mr. James B.W. Beavis, species of 20th century male, who has his own private and special... Twilight Zone. Gabatron?